Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. In Junie, New South Wales, Australia, there is a house that sits on a hill overlooking the town. Built by a family with a rags-to-riches story, there may have been a little bit more going on at the residence than they wanted the neighbors to know about. Accidental deaths, mutilations, and multiple murders in a short time are just some of the stories that inhabit the Monte Cristo homestead. This is episode number 40 of Hometown Ghost Stories, The Many Ghosts of Monte Cristo. Julie had been looking forward to this trip for months. Finally, her and her friends were exploring what many consider the most haunted house in all of Australia. She had dreamt of the day that they could finally make the trip from Sydney to explore the place. As they walked up the driveway, she gazed in the direction of the structure, and a smile began to overtake her face. The group started towards the door, and as they did, Julie looked up towards the second floor balcony. Was that a face staring back at them from behind the glass? Just then, her friend Kayla threw her arm around Julie's shoulder. We're here, she said in an overly excited tone. The interruption broke Julie's gaze towards the balcony. After acknowledging her friend, she looked back towards the second floor. Nothing there. The place must already be messing with me, she thought quietly. They had arranged a special tour of the place with a paranormal investigation team who greeted them at the door. After a brief introduction of the two groups, they were told to go check out the house on their own so they could get a layout of it before dark. Julie moved slowly through the first floor, really taking in the house, trying to imagine what the people who built and supposedly haunt the place were like in their life. After finishing her self-guided tour through the first floor, she headed upstairs. Since she stepped in the house, she couldn't get the idea that someone was staring at her from the balcony out of her mind. She headed towards the room and took a look around. The place was quiet except for the sounds of the group down on the first floor. Julie decided to take a step onto the balcony. She stood against the railing admiring the view. The place was built on a hill after all, and it was gorgeous. As she was standing there, she felt the finger brush against her cheek. 
Thinking this was just Kayla walking up behind her, she whipped around to tell her friend to cut it out. As she spun 180 degrees, she was met with the face of a pale old woman with glowing eyes. Before she could get a scream out, the woman pushed Julie and she stumbled backwards, toppling over the balcony. As she fell backwards towards the ground, the pale woman looked down at her as a scream emitted from Julie that ended just as quickly as it began. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, the Monte Cristo Homestead, Juni, New South Wales, Australia. Sitting ominously on a hill overlooking the town of Juni in New South Wales, Australia, is the Monte Cristo Homestead. This estate has a history that ties with not only the rise of the family that built it, but also the town itself. In the 1870s, Christopher Crawley was desperate. With a wife and several kids, he was having trouble feeding his family after purchasing two plots of land in the upstart town of Juni. The town consisted mostly of people just trying to get by and living in slab huts. Things would change for Christopher, though, when the railroad would come through town. At this point, he had an idea. He gathered every bit of money he could and purchased the land and built a hotel right across from the new railroad station. This would prove to be a lucrative decision and he would build his family a house on his land that would house all of them. By the 1880s, the Crowley family would become very wealthy and quickly want to build a newer and bigger house on the property. The original slab building would be torn down and turned into a stable area for Christopher's prized horses, and the house they built would become where the servants would stay. Throughout this time, Christopher would become known as a nice and pleasant man who helped out the town of Juni. His wife Elizabeth, though, was always seen more of the silent and stern type who ruled the family and home with an iron fist. Christopher and Elizabeth would continue to live in the new elaborate house until their deaths. Christopher would die on December 14, 1910 in the home from a mixture of heart failure and blood poisoning. The blood poisoning was caused from a group of pus-filled bumps continually rubbing against his starch collar, causing a massive infection. Elizabeth wouldn't take the death of her husband well. She would die 23 years later in the home as well from a ruptured appendix. The unusual part of this 23 years is that Elizabeth only left the house a total of two times. She had built a small chapel in the attic of the house and spent almost the entirety of the rest of her life in the space. The house would stay in the family for a few more decades until it was sold in the 1960s. This is when some of the dark history and hauntings would come out about the house. And it turns out that Mr. Crowley wasn't just friendly with the community, he was also very friendly with the maids. He is rumored to have gotten two of his maids pregnant. The first one was cleaning up on the balcony one day, and what happened next is unclear. The pregnant maid would plummet to her death from the balcony to the ground, where a bloodstain still sits on the ground near the stairs of the entrance. It was reported as an accident, 
but many believe the maid was actually pushed over the railing to cover up the infidelity of Mr. Crowley. The second maid to get pregnant wouldn't meet the same end and would give birth to her child, which she named Harold. Harold would unfortunately be involved in a stagecoach accident at a young age that would leave him severely disfigured and with a mental condition. Embarrassed by this, the Crowleys and the mother herself would keep Harold chained up in one of the back buildings of the property. The local residents could hear the screams and cries of Harold on occasion, and the children would dare each other to try to sneak in and get a look at him. After Mrs. Crowley's death, it said the only two left for a while was the maid and Harold, who she would still keep locked up. One day, the police showed up to the house after reports of the woman not being seen in a while. When they entered, they found her dead in her bed, while Harold was chained to the wall, barely clinging to life with no food or water. They would check him into a mental asylum, where he would die a few months later. Many have heard the ghost of Harold back in the house, dragging his chains throughout the property while looking for his lost mother. There is also the tale of the stable boy named Morris. One day he wasn't feeling so well and let his boss know that he wasn't going to be able to work that day. His boss was furious, and since the stable boy lived in a small building on the property, he devised the plan. He decided that he was going to prove that the boy wasn't sick. And how was he going to do this? By lighting the bed he was sleeping in on fire so the boy would jump out, thus proving that he wasn't actually sick. The problem was, once he lit the kid's bed on fire, Morris was actually too sick to get out of bed and would succumb to the flames that engulfed him and the bed. It is said that Morris now lurks the grounds outside of the house. There's been visitors that have reported the smell of fire on occasion. After looking around, no flames and no smoke are found. One of the caretakers of the property was Jack Simpson. One night in 1961, he answered a knock at the door. Upon opening the door, he was face to face with a man pointing a gun directly in his direction. Before Jack had time to react, the man pulled the trigger. Jack would die instantly. Before fleeing the scene, the man went and wrote, Die Jack, die, ha ha, on one of the shed doors, where you can still see it today. After being arrested, the man was asked why he did it, and he said he felt compelled to after watching the movie Psycho three times in a row. It is believed that Jack still roams the property, caring for it. Investigators have caught EVPs of a man that they believe is Jack Simpson. And finally, there's the ghost of the Crowley family themselves. Ethel Crowley was but an infant. One day she was being carried from upstairs to downstairs, and the woman holding her either dropped her or threw her. Ethel would not survive this fall. When questioned, the woman, clearly in shock, said that someone pushed her from behind, causing Ethel to fly out of her hands. Yet, they were the only ones upstairs. Visitors to the house now have felt a force push them as they walk down the stairs. And when they turn around, there's no one to be found. Children that walk on the staircase have complained of feeling extremely cold while walking up the stairs. The sounds of a baby either crying or laughing have also been reported from the staircase. The Ryan family 
would go on to purchase the home in the mid-1960s from one of the remaining Crowley family members. Upon moving in, they would have some experiences of their own. The day they moved into their house, their cat and dog refused to enter the building and ran away. A few weeks in, they woke up to a ghastly sight. They found all of their chickens, a parrot, and even a litter of kittens on the property, all dead and mutilated. One night, the Ryans sent their youngest daughter to check on her brother Lawrence. As she walked through the house and towards his bedroom, she would stop dead in her tracks when she looked inside the room. There was an old man sitting on the edge of the bed, staring down at Lawrence while he slept. The girl would let out a scream, and as soon as she did, the man would vanish into thin air. After seeing some photos, they believe this to be the ghost of Mr. Crowley. Over the years, he hasn't been as prominent as some of the other ghosts in the house, but he still lingers in the room where he died, amongst other locations. Finally, there's Mrs. Crowley, the most prominent and perhaps the scariest of the ghosts on the homestead. She's been known to judge all that enter her home, and if she doesn't like you, she will let you know one way or another. When her apparition has been seen, she's usually in a black dress holding a silver cross. Those that have angered her have felt icy hands push them out of rooms. Others have said they get hit with either the feeling of nausea out of nowhere or even an unexpected case of sadness with no particular reasoning for either of these occurrences. It's believed to be the spirit of Mrs. Crowley trying to get those that she doesn't want in her home to leave. There has also been reports of the sound of a woman weeping in the attic, believed to be Mrs. Crowley. Some other paranormal occurrences in the home have taken place, without knowing which ghost to attribute them to, or perhaps it's all of them. On multiple occasions, people leaving the home have witnessed every single light turn on as they pull away. By the time they return, the house is once again covered in darkness. It's believed that upwards of 10 ghosts haunt the Monte Cristo homestead. With many of them meeting tragic ends, there's little wonder as to why they may still be haunting this property. Perhaps, though, maybe something a bit more is happening on these grounds. With all this activity and history attached, the Monte Cristo homestead might not just be one of the most haunted places in Australia. It might be one of the most haunted places in the world. going on ladies and gentlemen welcome into hometown ghost stories episode number 40 40 40 episodes ladies and gentlemen i'm jesse wilkins i'm joined by rob coakley what's up rob not too much just uh ready to talk about australia for once it's our australia, first time indeed yes i've got a lot of feedback from dave so we'll wait to introduce dave until he once again tries to figure his stuff out in the meantime it, we'll it's unbelievable to- it is <laughs> unbelievable that we do this 40 times. He still hasn't figured this out. Very dialed in on the episode and just 
consuming all of that content. It's very good. Very good. I want to welcome everyone that's hanging out in live chat. Um, while we were away, Irish Assassin dropped a sub, which I appreciate, and everybody else that's hanging out. I also want to thank Papa Squatch for the um, for subbing on Patreon, Patreon for being a patron. I don't know if his name was included, or was he Stephen D? But either way, he's in there as Papa Squatch. But we'll take the time to to thank our patrons. We have a couple of VIP patrons, which is uh, Stephen V and Lisa J. I want to thank you guys first and foremost. Thank you for that uh, VIP status that you've earned yourselves. I'm going to give you as your own like screen, like employee of the month stuff. And I'm going to hang up a picture of you behind me. Don't don't uh, hold that against me if I don't do it. But that's my plan. Boom for you guys and you guys only. But also, I just mentioned Papa Squatch, but. Uh, Two VIPs. Then we got Mike B, Brandon W, Sarah W, Soph M, Hooper, Jake V, Stephanie A, Seth, Dave Sucks W, Captain McSlugs, and Sarah, Dave Loves Bacon R. So thank you guys for subbing on Patreon. If you guys want your name in the credits and for that very special introduction. That and Bob Rob wants to apologize for screwing everybody's uh, nicknames up in his little uh, intro video there. Were they messed up? You left Seth out of it completely. You got Dave Sucks for Andrew and no Captain McSlugs. It was a mess. Yeah. It was <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear to God, it's, it's still, still really cool. Week. Yeah, it's really cool if you guys have on Patreon. We promise that. <laughs> it, it was it was a rough <laughs> rough week for me with my my content stuff. We got time crunched and some stuff got overlooked. And I always overlook stuff to be fair, just to be completely fair. Well, you're yeah, slightly taller than him, so you just look right over his head. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, shout out to Seth. Another new song added in to the uh, background audio of the playlist, I mean, of the uh, podcast. So Seth is always good at providing us with uh, appropriate music for each one. And then uh, King Casher actually had uh, some music in the background, too. So we got, uh, we got some some contributions musically. We appreciate that. I see Selchuk over here too. What's up, Selchuk? How are you, man? So, uh, welcome everybody in. This is episode number 40. I want to thank everyone for helping us get to 40 episodes. Uh, that is a, a small milestone. I think we'll make a bigger deal out of it when we hit 50, which will be in a couple of weeks. Nah, so not not so we hit 500. Let's talk about okay. some ghosts. Let's Dave's, do it. Dave's done landing airplanes in his house. Let's get into <laughs> talking about Junie, New South Wales, Australia. And yeah, it's like... Was- this is a little confusing because I was covering South Wales for a bonus episode on Friday. And then I saw yours. I was like, wait a second. Is this South Wales? Oh, this is New South wrong, Wales. Wrong side of the world. Yeah. Yes. New South Wales. Um, yeah. And you got to th- So it's like basically the town, the state. So like where we would just usually say, you know, Boston, Massachusetts. And then we wouldn't say United States of America. Mm-hmm. We're adding in Australia. So it feels like you're saying like an entire paragraph just to locate where this place is. But it's in Junie, New South Wales, Australia. And um, such an interesting house. Like this house, I was describing it on TikTok Live before we jumped on. That like if you watched a movie on this house and you gave like the background on every ghost, you would say that the writers just went overboard. Like you're doing too much. There's too much here. Why are you giving me... 30 background stories for every single ghost that's all over the place. But yet, you know, this episode of American horror story in real life (laughs) is, is actually happening. Right. So we have um, mostly documented proof on a lot of this, not every single one. Some of this stuff is rumor and, you know, conjecture and hearsay and all that stuff. But there's, there's a lot of evidence that backs up most of the stories to this house. I believe it. I mean, it's it's widely regarded as uh, the most haunted house in 
Australia. And Australia is obviously pretty big. South Wales is like the southeastern part of Australia. I know we got a couple Aussies in chat, so you guys can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, not super close to Sydney, but relatively in the same area of Australia as Sydney, uh, if I'm correct about that. But that is, um, I mean, obviously it's a big country. So for this to be the most haunted location in that country where there's a lot of dark history um, with Australia in general, I don't know if you guys ever listened to, I know you, I think you guys do. If you listen to um, the case files podcast, obviously I'm pretty sure he's Australian and a lot of the stories are in Australia. So you hear about all these serial killers and absolutely brutal murders that happen out there. So you think with all that kind of crime happening, in Australia, there's got to be a lot of haunted locations. And for this one to ring in um, pretty much universally as number one, that says a lot about this location for sure. Yeah. And like we have uh, people saying stuff in the chat, like Papa Squash, that it seems like they have everything but a demon in a box. And I wouldn't even be shocked if there's a demon in a box somewhere in there. Part of like what I alluded to at the end of the episode is perhaps there is some sort of demonic presence at this place just based on everything that's happened around it, right? You have evidence of people being pushed. You have a person showing up just to commit a murder, just randomly at the property. Uh, It just dates back to the building of the house. And we don't know what the, we know what some of the history behind the land is. Like it was an Aboriginal land that was overtaken by settlers, you know, much like happened in America with native Americans. And we don't know if something was left behind there or already there, you know? So, well, there, yeah. I mean, some of the servants apparently had ties to that as well, where some of them were Aboriginal as well. And there's even rumors that the wife, um, that she could have been mixed and there was, um, something going on there. I mean, this is Australia. This is a long time ago. So, there's also a thought that maybe she was just a little bit tan. So then rumors start spreading around and this is a time where there's no entertainment really. So the only entertainment is spreading rumors. So, and the town's very small at the time, right? It's yeah, a growing. When it, was, when it was founded, do you guys know what the population was? Was it 12, 12, <laughs> just yeah. 12 people. That's it. But at this time it's like, like to form a town, basically once you built a post office, then it was basically officially a town. And they built a post office pretty much right away with their 12 people. They probably all worked together to build it and uh, became a town. Built a post office. They built that little railroad track and he built that hotel and, you know, made a fortune. They were living in a slab hut. Him and, I mean, upwards of seven kids, I believe they had somewhere around there. I do need to make one correction before we get further. The baby that, that ended up passing away, Ethel, on the stairs. I think I referred to her as his daughter, but it was actually the granddaughter. She died six years after um, Mr. Crawley had passed away. So I don't think they were freezing his sperm back in 1910 and, you know, having another child post-death. So it was definitely his grandchild. It definitely would have been difficult at the time to perform that so i want to get back to before we i know you had briefly mentioned the murder that happened more recently i believe it was um in the 1960s 1961 i believe it happened yeah so this is um jack simpson right yes jack simpson so for me i mean there's a lot of twisted stories with this house there's a lot of layers this house is an onion we got we're gonna have to get pretty deep into this onion because there's a lot of stuff going on and i think there's actually a lot creepier stuff happening at this house than this one. But for this murder to happen, just 
for the reason that it happened. And for this not to be the craziest story about this house just shows how crazy this house really is. Right. In my opinion, this one's like, that was a little icing on the cake. You're like, ooh, that's kind of a twisted story. But it doesn't yeah. hold up against the rest of the twisted stories. In the house. Right. Like, this right. house is just insane. Normally, that would be like your, you know, your... That's the punchline. Right? Yeah. Like, that's your big story. But it's just kind of mixed in amongst all of this. Yeah, this this guy shows up after watching the movie Psycho three times in a row. And he's like, oh, I just wanted to kill somebody. And like, this is the house he chooses. Like, and I wonder if it's like because the town, the house overlooked the town. And I couldn't find out anything really about the guy that killed him. But maybe he was from the town. And like, you know how like you just stare at something enough wherever you live, it just catches your attention every time. And you just like, every time you go by, you're like just looking at it, looking at it. Maybe his whole life, he was just looking at this house. And just something about that house drew him to it. That's how I look at Taco Bell when I drive by every week. Yeah, but I don't drive by. I stop. <laughs> well, if, you, if you're going, if you're going with the um, theory that there's some sort of demonic force that's either causing all of this uh, death and violence to happen, you could use that same argument to say that maybe that's what drew this person to that house. Yeah, that was that was going to be my next point. So yeah, you know that. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> Our, Aust- our Australian historian TJ has weighed in and said that Australia not once but twice lost a war against emus. That's actually Under- a fact. <laughs> please, please tell me more about this. <laughs> I don't know more than that. Just I'm, a great more I'm immediately more interested in this story. Than- <laughs> I don't know if it's a fact, but I definitely have heard that that um, that story. Yeah. So this just the beginning of this house, just starting on the two slab huts, right? Like you buy two plots of land. You build this slab hut. You have no money. You end up amassing this fortune. You build a house that's not big enough for you. You build a bigger house. That old one becomes a servant's quarters. You like build a homestead, right? And just become the like the house of this town that you helped put together because you built the the functioning society around it, which was the hotel to start. And, uh, you know, then, then things just hit the fan as soon as that house is built. Okay. So the emu war, we'll go over this briefly. Uh, <laughs> Got it. Papa Squatch says episode 41 is going to be Australia versus emus. <laughs> um, basically Australia was trying to figure out how to curb the ever growing population of emus and they deployed soldiers completed, uh, armed with Lewis guns. And, uh, while they killed some birds, they did nothing to stop the growing population. So. I guess they lost the emu war. I mean, the fact that they just they deployed soldiers in this uh, battle is lost a war against a creature with no arms and that can't fly. And they can't fly, no wings. <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of videos of Emmanuel online lately, so I get it. I understand. Videos of what? Emmanuel the emu. It's like one of the biggest crazy things on the internet now. Sorry, oh, you're old. Familiar. You don't know. You don't know. Fair and. Let's get back to talking about ghosts, though, instead of emus. <laughs> Andrew says they couldn't bear arms. <laughs> and Papa Squatch says army versus leggy. <laughs> All right, let's get back on track, boys and girls. Thank you, TJ, for that, by the way. <laughs> Marsha asks if uh, Jesse and Dave are related. We are brothers, yes. Indeed. Okay, so... Uh, so this house is haunted. Uh, so we talked about the the murder that happened 
And I mean, the fact that watching Psycho three times, I, I don't know if that's a great excuse to go kill someone. Also, not. I, you don't think that like after that's the second, not. after the second time, I mean, how long is that movie? It's gotta be like two hours, right? So after you're four hours deep in watching the same movie, you're like, yeah, I'm ready for round three. And then well, after- it's 1961. There's like four movies made. So like you watch that, you watch Wizard of Oz or you watch Casablanca. That's about your three choices. Okay, just don't watch Psycho three times. <laughs> like a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you might end up going to go murder someone for the hell of it. So we carved Die Jack haha into the wall or into the shed door, right? And yes. So that he, carving is still there. That was pretty cool. That for people that are listening and not watching, Rob included a picture in the video of the actual carving, which I guess is still there. You can go see it. Which isn't easy to find. So the the funny thing about this house, right? They have all these like spots that they mark. Like if you look at the entrance video of the house, that's where the the bleach stain from cleaning the the um, trying to the clean, blood, clean the blood the, off. Yeah, the blood off. Like they have it marked off, right? They have like a marker there to show you where that is. And you'll see it in videos and you're like, as they go by it and you'll, I found like one or two photos, but I'm shocked at the lack of photos of that because it's so like such a prominent spot of the house. Like if that was like any other house in America, like where like there's a specific spot or like a specific room, there'd be 30,000 photos online of it. Right. Yeah. Um, the die Jack die. I had to dig deep to find that. I, it took me like 10 minutes to find that one blurry photo of it. I couldn't find it anywhere. And it's like everywhere you read that goes on, it's like, yeah, it's still carved in the wall. It's like, you have an iPhone. Take a photo of it. Help help me out. Help me help you. Like, what are we doing here? Like, Take some photos of this stuff. And uh, this whole house is like that. The The chain, I wish I had pointed it out a little more in the video. But the chain where they chained up the the illegitimate son, quote unquote, mm-hmm. supposed illegitimate, 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 yeah, yeah, that word. Um, they, they, it's in that, that video. The list of words Rob can't say. <laughs> I know, right? We find one every week. <laughs> so it's chained up. The the chain's back there, and you can see where, like, like you'd be like, oh, they could have just done this, but. You actually see like where it was worn, it wore the wall out by like just grating against it for years and years and years. And like it's just grooved into the into the wall. It's it's just right. ter- so the, terrifying. Yeah. So looking at the, the blood stain is more of a bleach stain. Which is, that, I, might have been, that might have been what you said. But here's yeah. a, for those that are watching, this is kind of it. I think this is probably it down here on the bottom step. Yeah. Bottom so you can see that these are very brown steps or whatever. And then the bottom one, they clearly wash something off right here. So I guess it's, it is definitely more of a bleach stain, but I mean, if they're cleaning off a blood stain, that's going to, that's going to happen. The, the morbid side of me wishes it was a blood stain, but it's yeah. a bleach stain. But so they they got to clean it. I mean, of course you're not going to sit there and walk over it all the time. So yeah, they, they might've tried to pressure wash it. Yeah. They uh, did yeah. a lot of that in 1911. <laughs> recently maybe i don't know <laughs> maybe i don't know um but how do we want to go through these deaths because there's so many we just hit on like the most recent one do we want to work our way back or do we want to start back at the beginning with the mates so i think we see yeah let's go ahead diff i was gonna say chronologically from the beginning i say yeah, it would make the most sense. Makes the most sense yeah. 
So it looks like the maids were, well, I guess the only one of the maids was murdered. The other one had the illegitimate son, did it, nailed it, said the word, um, of Mr. Crawley. And that's all supposed because, again, we're dealing with that very specific time frame of you can kind of get away with whatever you want records-wise, especially when you have more money. So he never has to claim this child as his own. But to start with, the first maid that got pregnant, she's working on the balcony, and the rumor is she. there's two stories to it. One is she jumped, and the other is she was pushed. And it's like, why would you jump from a second-floor balcony? You're probably going to survive that if you're doing it on purpose. Yeah. Right? The, the way you're going to die is if, like, you're not expecting it and you land all awkwardly and all that, uh, you know, like, so jumping seems... Maybe head, maybe head first. Like, you know that video of, like, the Simpsons character who jumps through the window with without his arms? Yeah. yeah. And he just, yeah maybe if you, like, gave it, like, a little head dive, you might be able to take care of it. But, yeah, I would look at that and I would say I, I might sprain my ankle or I would definitely dislocate my shoulders personally, but that's in most physical situations for me. But uh, Real quick, I just want to... Um, quick fact, um, the world's first pressure washer was invented in 1926. Okay, so good. So negative 15 years beforehand, they were not pressure washing then. I will say that is much earlier than I expected. Mm. When Rob made that point, I was like, good point, Rob. But then I was like, Dave's going to find out. <laughs> or he already knows. because Dave knows a thing or two about pressure washers. But um, I would say the more likely situation would be that she got pushed off the balcony. Because like, like you said, why would you try to commit suicide off of a second story balcony? Right. So but she that, died, right? So it worked. Right. She's so, she's, if it, so if it was suicide, then I guess we're wrong because it could have worked. But it seems like you'd, you're more likely to die if someone pushes you off that second story balcony. Exactly. So that's, that's why I think it's more likely she was pushed than not. And the house has a history of people being pushed and not seeing the entity, right? Because then we get to the staircase later in the story and people are getting pushed down the staircase. Mm-hmm. And so that's another one. So she's haunting the house. Although there's not many, there, there's some like visions of like a woman on the balcony and stuff, but she just mostly stays around the balcony from everything I saw. She's not really like the only real negative energy there is Mrs. Crowley, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. And the um, illegitimate son they believe is responsible for some of the other more wicked stuff, which, you know, kind of fair. So well, let's get into him because that that's the next maid. So this maid has this child and he's actually born relatively normal. And then he gets into some sort of accident with like a stagecoach or something. Um, and he, and he gets like brain damage. He gets deformed. And their decision is to lock this child up to a chain for like 30 years. And they lock him. I thought they locked him in. It was in the outhouse, right? Right. Right. So So it was in one of the, it was in one of the outer houses. It wasn't the outhouse itself. It was like the dairy room or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, So they, and they moved him around, I believe as well. Because when you find so the other thing we need to bring up is it's not just the Crowleys who make this decision. It's the mother herself, because long after the Crowleys are 
dead and gone. Supposedly, this woman was the one caretaking the property because the Crowley still owned it, but nobody was living there from the family for a bit. And she was supposedly one of the few that did live there. And she still kept him chained up because when they found her body, he was chained up in another room, like emaciated. Like he had no food, no water, but he was still chained up. So she was in on it. She she did this as well. It wasn't just the Crowleys doing this. Uh, so fast. So the uh, woman who died in bed when she's when he's locked up, uh, was she murdered or did she just die? No, she just died of old age. So she was old, she was elderly at that point because remember he's been locked up between thirty and forty years, they believe. So he's somewhere between thirty eight, forty eight years old. So his mother's got to be late sixties, probably at the earliest or older. So she just, she just passed away in bed. She just died in her sleep. It seems like. And and she went a little nutty. I mean, she only left the house, what twice in the last 23 years or something. So that's the mother. That's Mrs. Crowley. That's oh, Elizabeth okay, Crowley. Right. Yeah. We'll so a little bit. Yeah. We'll get into her. So you have the stories of the maid and then he, he gets found and they bring him to a mental asylum and within months he dies. Like he gets brought to the mental asylum. There's so many theories. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Behind why he could have died in the mental asylum. Could he have been treated poorly? Yes. Likely, yeah. For sure. He could well, have been treated What if it's just poorly. like um, culture shock? A culture shock. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, you're now, chained to a room for 30 plus years. You, you're you're going to experience a certain degree of institutionalization. You know, like when you take a prisoner out of prison, they go crazy. Sometimes they want to go back. Maybe he just is so shocked. He just couldn't, you know. You couldn't take the uh, right the atmospheric <clears throat> adjustment. Right, you're you're making an extreme change in your life, so you're going from relatively not being able to move anywhere, just to where the chain allows you for the most of your life, and then you're given like more freedom than you've ever seen, and it probably wasn't even that much, but it's way more than you're used to. So yeah, culture shock, sadness. Could like he could have still been really attached to his mother. We mm-hmm. we don't know. We don't know these things. So like the whole philosophy behind him is for from EVPs and everything else is he's wandering the grounds looking for his mother. Like that's what he's doing there. So he's looking for his mother according to EVPs, and he's the one that they believe, you know, mutilated all the animals on the property when the Ryans moved in, who we'll get into later. Right. And I mean, let's not gloss over the fact that he was obviously treated horribly. And unfortunately, like this was pretty common back in this time where it was like when they didn't know how to deal with people who were mentally ill, they would either send him off to an asylum, which obviously didn't work work out for him. He just died immediately. Or they would lock him up in a a basement or an attic or an outhouse or whatever. And it's absolutely horrifying to think about. But this happened. it, It already happened in a few of our stories. 
throughout our episodes. Mm-hmm. And so you can only imagine how common it was. And this is just, we're just covering the ones about hauntings, right? So, so if a place ends up being haunted, then we cover it. But this, this was happening all over the place too. So it's not just vicious treatment of these people that happen in everyday scenarios anyways. It still happens today. So I think it was a little more common back in the day because it was kind of socially just what you did. If you have a kid with some kind of a mental problem, you just ship them off to an asylum. It was, it wasn't like it was acceptable in society, but it was acceptable to ignore it. You know what I mean? Like you didn't talk about that you were doing it, but society didn't pry. So like, even if somebody knew they would just be like, yeah, I'm not going over there. I'm not dealing with that situation. Or if they did, they would apparently just come in and throw some rocks at them. Right. That's the other, well, that's kids though. I mean, Mm. you know how kids are there. Kids are weird. Kids do that stuff. They do. So you have that whole situation going on. Um, A little bit about the town too. It's by a lot of waterways from what I saw, you know, and it's got the limestone all around it. So you're mixing all of that with a bunch of trauma. And that seems to always be a recipe for hauntings as well. A ton of trauma. Right. A ton of trauma. Not even, not even knowing what happened before the house was built, you know, and, and, and a woman who looked like this, just, that's a real bad painting for those audio listeners. I pulled up a painting that's inside the house. Not good. Not good. Not looks great. like a, looks like a South Park character. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. Not great, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Well, let's get in, let's get into Mrs. Crowley now because she, there, I have two ways that it could go with Mrs. Crowley. She could be actually like this really mean, evil person. I think that's a possibility for sure. But she could have also just been ostracized because of the fact that she was most likely part or mostly all Aborigine. Right? So the, the town could have just said that she was a certain way and she never was and they never knew. But with everything else that went on in this house, it makes me tend to believe that she might not have been the greatest person in the world as well because we're talking about chained up kids. That yeah, have potential. That, you don't even have to go further than that, but right. we could. Right. <laughs> right. right. So there's Captain there's McSlough. all of that. Captain McSlough says she was ostracized. <laughs> so there's all of that with her. And then she was already known to like rule the house like very sternly. Um, well, she was awful to her maids. And right. the theory is that the maid that the maid just threw the baby down the stairs because she was just trying to get payback. That's one of the theories anyways. She's like, all right, this, this lady is awful to me. So whoops, dropped your baby. Your grandchild. Yeah, it would be your, grandchild. Been her, yeah. your grandchild. So that's a theory. Um, but she's just she's just weird and she she doesn't leave her house ever except for twice over the course of 23 years that's enough to drive you crazy anyways right and that's after her husband dies right so she like builds this altar she spends all her time in this altar and just sits there and just gets even more like insane if she already was insane dude if i don't leave my house for one day I get absolutely star crazy. I'm like, I got to at least go to like seven 11 or something. I got to, I got to at least take a little drive and just clear my head. I got to get, you know, but for 23 years, 
Not me. I'm like, can I do this every day of my life? I never want to go outside. I never want to see the general population. I just want to go to bed. (laughs) And I don't want to talk to anybody other than our lovely people in chat and all of our listeners. Well, that's the beauty of it is you get to talk to them from home. Exactly. Stephanie brings up a good point. She says, uh, I wonder what was so important to her that she had to leave only twice. Or probably 7-Eleven. Right. (laughs) It was probably the uh, release of the movie Psycho, since that was a big hit in their town. Yeah, you want to get out of the house when that movie's out. <laughs> Pro- probably had to go. See, yeah, probably had to go see the the power washer that was new in the center of town. Mm, yep, had to clean off the steps somehow. So, That's right. Uh, so yeah, she's she haunts the house. They there's been full out pictures of her ghost that people have seen. They see her frequently wearing the all black. She wore all black after the husband died for like the 23 years, basically, which I mean, people probably saw her like twice because she didn't leave the house. Right. Andrew theorized that maybe she was drafted for both of the emu wars. (laughs) (laughs) She had to go fight her country. Right. So yeah, this, this woman, is known to torment this house now. She she judges everyone that enters the building. And if she doesn't like you, they say she makes your life hell while you're in there. I like the idea that she that people feel the icy cold hands pushing them out of rooms. Like they're not getting pushed out of the house, but they're just she's just trying to move the tour along. She's like, yeah, 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 yeah. you've seen enough. Go to the next room. Right. <laughs> and it's just not necessarily stopping them from being in the house, but just kind of moving it along. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get to the icy cold hands and a later haunting that's a little scarier to me. But, yeah, her pushing you out of rooms, yelling at people. She's frequent in, like, almost every part of the house, right? So, like, she's she's keeping guard over her house. And why is she doing that? Is it because she was there for so long? That's a possibility. Does she not want people to find out things that happened there? That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's more in the lines of uh, don't snoop around my property. I got this kid locked up in the shed. You know, I got um, this murderous history going on. I, th- I think that's that's more likely the uh, the case. Yeah, so th- there's all of that. And we haven't even gotten into the stable boy yet. This that's is a, the one. That's a twisted one. Yep. This is the one that blows my mind, right? So... I mean, how do you arrive on the fact that, like, your employee doesn't – your employee lives on property, right? It's the 1900s. There's no, like, calling out sick. He's literally like, I'm in bed. I cannot work right now. I am sorry, but I cannot get out of this bed. Like, that's how sick this kid is. And the foreman's like, I don't believe him. He's, he's not sick. What I'm going to do, here's how I am going to prove that he is not sick. Here is my genius move. He sleeps on a straw bed. So what I'm going to do is I am going to set the straw bed on fire because this isn't going to go badly at all. There's no chance this goes wrong. Rob, I'm surprised that none of your bosses have shown up to your house and all the fake sick calls that you've made to do this to you. <laughs> hey, those, those were long he was, ago. He was just kidding if they're watching. <laughs> were so long ago jesse dave you were my boss at one point i was um but yeah so i would never light your bed on fire though i mean i would light your bed on fire thank you only if it's a straw bed but 
that's the point. We're doing we're lighting a straw bed on fire because your theory is he's gonna jump out of bed. Dave actually that's- sleeps at, Dave actually sleeps in a toddler's bed and they don't make those out of the straw anymore. <laughs> that's right. It's a matchbox. Um so Yeah, that was a bit extreme. Maybe like pull him out of the bed first, give him a little shake. But but like how is that your theory? How about like, dump some ice cold water on him? <laughs> like even if you're sick, you're gonna jump out of bed, right? If you're strong enough to. It doesn't mean you're not sick if you get out of a burning bed. Like, what are we doing here? But the fact that he didn't shows how shows sick he was. was. Pretty yeah. damn sick. Yeah, that's yeah. awful. Absolutely yeah. awful. It's it's like it's literally like burning a witch, right? It's like, well, what we need to do is, or I think it was more so like the drownings, right? Right. They would be like the catch twenty two. Yeah, it's like, well, she drowned. She's not a witch. Great. I can- <laughs> Build a bridge out of her. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it is it is awful. Like, that. that's, I don't know, man. People in the past were, were so bad. It, it's, it's just crazy. Pretty awful. So there's also, like, there was a period of time that the house was left abandoned. And it was vandalized and kind of gutted and everything like that before they restored it. So I wonder if... It, just going back to the tour and the the lady who could be haunting the place. Um, I wonder if it's also she at this point she doesn't trust anyone coming into the house because they think that she might think that more people are going to mess with the house. So yeah, yeah. So be a theory. So you have all these different types of trauma and like, I mean, it's not all the same time frame, but it's forty years, sixty years apart from each other. So it's over time, right? And it's all these different methods. It's not like it was one serial killer in the house doing something repeatedly. It's like balcony deaths, um, stable boys being lit on fire because they're sick. It's a man getting shot at point blank range just because the guy felt like it just randomly targeted him. It, it's just there's that's what I said at the beginning. It is it's a season of American Horror Story where I call Dave seven episodes in and I'm like, why are they shoehorning in all these plot lines? I'm so sick of them overdoing this. But this is a real house. When you think of haunted houses, this is the stuff you think of, like houses like this. Just, absolutely repeated, right. just repeating horrible, horrible things happening. Repeat hauntings, murder. It's it's insane. It's I can't believe I never heard of this place up until this week. It's yeah, pa- Papa Squash says creepy house death bingo. And it's like that's the perfect <laughs> analogy for it. It's like Get a bingo card out on how somebody's going to die, and you are going to win if you have this house because this house has everything. It's very tragic, but we, we, we make fun of, and I even made fun of, like, sort of at the end of this video where, you know, it's like it's one of the most haunted houses in Australia, which makes it one of the most haunted houses in the world. But this house really has a case for that because of how much stuff is here. And how much people actually experience stuff when they go here, right? It's not just the family that moved in. We're going to talk about them in like two minutes. But people that go here without knowing stories in the past have walked in the house. They felt nauseous. They felt dizzy. It happens all the time to random groups of people without knowing what happened in the house, like throughout the years, since the 60s. And then they experienced the same stuff on the staircase, you know, we talked about the granddaughter that that got dropped or thrown down the stairs. Were, you know, again, who knows the actual truth behind this story? And people feel an icy, cold child hand grab their hand and hold it. 
Like how terrifying That's is that? Mm-hmm. Of all the stuff we talked about, like imagine just standing there and just feeling like this little hand, just this icy cold little hand, just yeah, grab your a hand. Similar one in the vaults in Edinburgh <clears throat> where the ghost of a child will hold people's hands, but it is not reported to be icy cold, which adds a different element of freakiness to it for sure. Yeah. So, and then children who know nothing about this house, they always have their experiences on the staircase that it's very common for them there. There's all these photos of like apparitions. And again, I'm not going to say a hundred percent of them are real, but people are seeing stuff here. People are feeling things here. And, and do we want to start getting into the Ryan family that moved in here? Yeah, absolutely. So the interesting thing, this is the family that turned it into a museum, right? Right. They, um, they're the ones who, the thing I find, they renovated it. They, yeah, they restored it basically. So after years in the family, the thing I find interesting about the house is only two families have owned this house. It's the Crowley's and it's the Ryan's, but the Crowley's let some of the like descendants stop living in the house as we've gone over. And then all of a sudden this house went into decay. Like people were vandalizing it. People were stealing stuff out of it. All the furniture was stolen out. The windows were busted out. Like this place was a dump. Like, and it's, and it was a beautiful house and it's 50, 60 years after it was built. Reminds me of the uh, McPike mansion. Right. It's very similar. It's very strange because it's such an expensive and nice house. And the fam, but the difference on this one is the family just let it go to decay until they finally sold it in 1963 to the Ryan family. And for an unbelievable small amount of money, if I remember correctly. Right. Because it was just so it was in such shambles. I think it was like a thousand bucks. I might be wrong about that, but it was ridiculously cheap for this, you know, for the size of a house. I know it's a shell of itself and obviously it's going to take a ton to work it up, but I mean, why let it go to shit? Why not not just sell it when it's nice and worth a lot of money? But I don't know. Stephanie asks, is it just an Australian thing, but why would you bring children into this house on tours? I mean, I think, I think it's historic. So we we go to Salem every year. You see tons of kids going. I mean, it's they go on these tours through the houses that are supposedly haunted. It's it's for the historical aspect. You're seeing, although there's hauntings, you're still seeing history. And if you're in Australia, you want to see Australia's history. It's part of the history. That yeah. house is the reason that town exists. Depends on your kid. I mean, I think with a lot of kids, like, it's, some parents are willing to take their kids on these things and some kids can handle it and some kids can't. So, uh, Sean asked Dave where he found such a huge lemon. I've been asking myself the same thing. I didn't bring it up because uh, audio listeners won't know. It's an orange. Is, it's, oh, okay. It's an uh, orange slice. Um, what so, so the Ryans, they buy this house and the father, he said he saw the house in a dream, which will come into play a little bit later. And he buys the house that he saw in a dream. He, he, and they started restoring it little by little. But as soon as they moved in, they started experiencing these things where, you know, the cat and the dog would not go in the house. The cat and the dog ran away. They never saw their cat and dog again, apparently. And they tried to get more pets, but pets wouldn't go in the house until I guess they got the parrot because the parrot's in a cage or something. So you're going to carry that thing right in. And then they have the chickens on the outside. And then just all these animals get slaughtered, which probably has worked to be out, yeah, probably worked out that the dog and the cat ran away. Yeah. They, 
Because if they stuck around, they might have gotten mutilated. Yeah, they. We talk about dogs and cats knowing this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. On multiple occasions, so they show up at this house. They don't want to go in the house. This is another one of those layers and like another plot line that seems to be shoehorned in. It's like like all of a sudden now we got mutilated animals. It's like this, this has nothing to do with the other stuff, but it right. doesn't have to. It's just right. that's how crazy this house is. Right. And so you have that whole thing. Then you have the stories of the lights. And when they bought this house, there was no electricity. So I before, know before we get away from the animals, are there theories on what happened to them? There's not. Are there it's, not, just, it's just like, oh there's they're mutilated. Don't look into it. Move on. You know. Right. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. Like if somebody so, murdered a whole bunch of birds, like well, I don't know, birds, random, and cats, right, on my property, I'd be like, we need to get to the bottom of this because that's very alarming. We, we need to figure but this how out. I mean, it'd be nice to figure it out, but I mean, how how long are you investigating this for? Um, I, I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe they looked into it and like, I, I don't know who killed our animals. So this so. is early 60s. This is before Satanic Panic, like right before it, right before they were blaming everything on on the devil, that stuff. Yeah. So Andrew, Andrew brings up an important question: Is and I asked myself the question: Is was this parrot a pet? Well, it, it wasn't. Be, right? a, it wasn't a relative. So <laughs> I don't think Australia just has wild pets. I mean, wild parrots flying through houses. They, they might. might. They, got, they got kangaroos <laughs> hopping around, boxing people. That's true. Did you know? All right. So now let's just get way off topic. I was watching this thing on kangaroos. Of course, today. And do you know that like? A kangaroo will go sit in the middle of a pond and make it look like it's drowning, like make itself look like it's drowning so that you go to help it and then it will just drown you. That's what they're doing. <laughs> this is like that's like a block island tactic. <laughs> Isn't that what they're doing over there? <laughs> that, that kangaroo's pretending to be a lighthouse. <laughs> like what is <laughs> kangaroos are terrifying. <laughs> um so yeah, so they have all these animal mutilations, then they have the light. It thing. sounds like Australia went to war with the wrong animal. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, or or they didn't recruit the right go animal. Go after the lake kangaroos, dude. This sounds <laughs> awful. <laughs> yeah, or recruit uh, them into your army. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the lights. I know I like put a picture of like a blinking light bulb because it just you know it's made the most sense. But when the lights were turning off and on in the house that I talked about. That's when they first bought the house and there wasn't electricity going to the house at the time from what I was reading. So this was like not a lot of this was candlelight stuff. So they would leave and none of the none of the lights in the house would be on. None of the candles would be lit. And as they're driving away, like just every room would be lit up. That's nuts, especially because it's candles. So right. that, like electricity, you could assume that maybe it's like an electrical problem and, you know, something just popped on or whatever, but it, it would still be terrifying. Well, right. didn't when the, um, the, was the Ryan family bought the place in the sixties, when they first pulled up to the property, all the lights were on. And then when they went in to go check it out, they weren't on anymore. And the power wasn't even on to the house. Did you guys read about that? Right. That's what I'm talking about. Well, you said candles. They, they, they didn't have power from what I read with the Ryans. They didn't have the power at the house yet. Oh, okay, right. So, so was it candles or was it mysterious? Yeah, because you were saying light, candles. I was confused. Light bulbs. That's, that's the way I read it. They didn't have power. So the other problem with this house is like people are putting their own spins on it 13 different ways. And like the information is hard to sift through. So what you're saying actually makes the most sense to me. 
Right. So that's the way I, I originally interpreted it. And then I read that it wasn't electricity at all, that it was actually candlelights in the beginning. Oh, well, how long? So how long was it vacant for? Well, it was vacant for roughly like 15 or so years. Yeah. So with it, like, it, but like with caretakers being on the property and caretakers like Jack Simpson was there in 1961 where he got shot. Right. Right. But it's like the caretakers weren't really doing much. There was it, the place was getting destroyed still. Yeah, they so couldn't. The place couldn't had electricity. Up. It was just shut off because it had been abandoned for so long. That's the way I originally took it, but I don't know. I've seen it written a few different ways. Mm. So, True. but either way, with the lights turning on, regardless if there was electricity or if it was candles, uh, that shouldn't have happened, and that makes it a very good ghost story. And then you have Lawrence Ryan, the son, who is now the owner. And we'll talk about his wife in a minute. But when he was a child, his sister was sent to go check on him in bed. And and can you imagine, like, going, walking to your sibling's room, not expecting anything, and just seeing this old man, like, leering over your little brother while he's sleeping? Yeah, that'd be terrifying. I mean, is there anything? Is that not psychological damaging for the rest of your life? Yeah. Oh, and then he just disappears. That it's not even like he tries yeah. to run away. He just vanishes. And, yeah. oh, man, like... Strangely, that, it's more comforting that he vanished. Because then you don't have to deal with the old guy that's in the room. Uh, for that moment, now you got to worry about him coming back whenever he wants. True. It's not like you can arrest this guy and he's not coming back ever again. This This guy is... Maybe right, I don't know if it's, if it's better that it, you find it as it actually a supernatural thing. I don't know if that's a better situation. Right. There's a uh, there's a ghost in Dave's camera and audio right now. Yeah, and, connection seems weak. Yes, which, thank God, that means we don't have to listen to him anymore. So you have all that, and then this family continues to rebuild this house throughout the years. And Lawrence actually takes over the house, and he marries his... He, he marries his wife at some point, and his wife claims to have a connection to the house. And this is where things get a little weird, like where you could realistically just write this off. Um, but she claims that she was one of the maids that sh- she's reincarnated and she used to be one of the maids that lived at the house. Right. So. I don't know how to feel about reincarnation stories about about her being one of the the maids because I want to just laugh it off in a degree, but I have something from childhood that sticks with me. I was watching a news broadcast, like the legitimate news, and they brought on this guy that claimed to be a he used to work for the navy. Or like he was a Navy SEAL, not, not a Navy SEAL, but he was just like a regular Navy guy. Um, and he died in battle. And this guy claimed to be the reincarnated soul of him, which sounds wild, but they got him together with this for this sailor's family. And he was telling the parents and the sister stuff about his childhood from the past life. That and was, and was nailing it. Yeah, it's not like he was giving like, birth certificate numbers or addresses or anything like that. He was telling them about experiences. Like we did this when we were, you know, nine and seven years old 
like we used to go to this park and we did this and we like to do this and mom and dad, you brought us here at this point in time. And it's like, I've seen a few stories like that and I can't figure out how they're figuring that out. It's, it's insane. So, and that he's not the only one. It's, it's yeah. I've seen a few like little kids that claim to be this person reincarnated and they just know details that they never should have known about people who aren't celebrities. And that's where it gets kind of wild. Cause when you have celebrities and people claim to be reincarnated celebrities, then it's like, okay, you can find out every little detail from books that various people wrote about these people. But when it's just your average everyday guy, that's what's nuts. And that's, yeah. uh, that's pretty crazy. And, and for this one, it seems like really too convenient, right? Like it's too convenient. So I guess the only like logical, like if it is real, it would just be the soul be souls being drawn together type of situation. If you believe in that, where she's just finding a way to get drawn, being drawn back to the house by meeting him, marrying him. But I don't know. I find that I find it a little too convenient, but who am I to say? Right. You know what I mean? I think you're probably, probably right. Probably leans on the little, little too convenient side. I was waiting for Dave to sh- rip this to shreds, but Dave was busy trying to figure out his connection. I, I yeah, I missed the first half of that. Sorry, <clears throat> I'm sure I would have. <laughs> that was a fun noise. That sound was. <laughs> that was a fun noise you just made, Dave. <laughs> Did I make? Oh yeah. Yes, yeah, so yeah. you just you just sounded like a string instrument instrument for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, He's got microphone ghost. Goes. And Dave's house is pa- powered by irrational grid. Yeah. So this kind of nails all of the house what did you guys think of this story because when i was originally going over this story first i was worried that i wasn't going to have enough for a full episode on it so i was looking up other things in australia but i really then i dove into it i'm like i have enough here to do just one episode on this house this how this house is deserving of its own episode in my opinion and i didn't want to like ruin Australia by doing something five hours away. Like, you know what I mean? Like just doing another great point, like where we can really dig in depth and just rushing through another story that could potentially like we could really dive into. So I, I was, I was very happy with this find, but I just was curious about you guys' thoughts on this property. I like it. And there's, there's a lot to it as we just alluded to. And I, the, as I was saying earlier, the fact that the guy's showing up and just shooting somebody because he felt like it isn't the craziest story in this house just goes to show how crazy it is. So I enjoy it a lot. I like the ghost stories a little bit different than a lot of the other ghost stories that we usually have. And um, it's cool. And this house, you, you can still visit it. So uh, they're open, apparently, uh, Friday to Monday, uh, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Yeah, I think they do like regular tours during the week. And then Saturday, there's like... Um ghost events from what i read that yep. could have changed you know that, those schedules are always changing sean brings up a good point in the chat before i get dave's thoughts he said did she explain her experience from her reincarnated past which i did not see but if she did and can like nail some extra stuff that nobody else knew that can be verified that would be awesome right that would be phenomenal what are your thoughts on the house dave if you're uh I thought your comparison to a season of American Horror Story was was pretty much spot on. It's just there's so much packed into this house. Like, like I said earlier, I can't believe I haven't heard of this one because it's just so insane. So yeah, I thought that was a pretty good analogy there. And uh, 
I'm glad you got this job. Thanks. We caught most of that, Dave, yeah. but we're we're gonna put you on mute for what the, is, the episode. <laughs> it's a, it's your internet connection, I believe. So, but we got we got the majority of that. Uh, freeze frame Dave has weighed in and the, uh, oh yeah that's the nickname of one of your other guys damn I can't use that one yeah I can't steal that that's, that's Pat Curran I actually streamed with him today believe it or oh, not did you? that's funny very yeah. good it looks better now angry angry Dave looks great on the uh, on the uh, <laughs> newly refreshed uh, connection there so um, yeah that's the Monte Monte Cristo Homestead uh, New South Wales Australia it's fun going over so many, so many so many different names of this of this current location. It is, it is, and we'll be uh, in the other South Wales on Friday. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on before we kind of wrap things up? No, I, I kind of hit everything I wanted to hit on this one. Very good. Uh, you did have a question about what is that WCW built behind you? I see the letters S and maybe a W. Um. So we'll just get into it because we're going to start going into our other stuff. I am. Um, I don't just stream paranormal stuff. I work for a fantasy football company and we are doing an experts league with some of the biggest names in best ball. If you have any questions about that, just DM me somewhere, but we are playing for this championship belt this year. So I have the championship belt here and we did a stream draft where we um, drafted our teams. So it's a fantasy football built. Yes. That is the uh, short question. Jessica, I, I'll pull that question back up. She says, uh, I have family visiting from Me- uh, I have family visiting me from Mexico, and I got them hooked on the show now. Thank you, Jessica, and shout out to Jessica's <clears throat> family that are visiting. Thank you guys for watching. Appreciate you sharing the show. And we have Joanna in the chat. She said, we did a great job covering this story, and I believe she's from Australia, so thank you. That's good. Appreciate well, that. Nicely done, Rob. What do you got coming up next week? Next week is, and tell me if you can't hear me, just cut me right off. Uh, next week we have Albuquerque, New Mexico. So there's a whole bunch of haunted locations there. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. I'm going to cover probably three of them maybe. Um, and then maybe we can go back there some other time. So we're going to be hitting the, uh, the chemo theater and the, uh, haunted hill. And, um, I'll pick one other location, but there's, there's a lot there. So if you guys want to look into New Mexico, it's pretty, pretty exciting spot for hauntings. Awesome. You had planned on doing New uh, Albuquerque, a few weeks ago, and then you just jumped right into um, yeah, so La Llorona is one of the spirits that haunts uh, Albuquerque, allegedly. So I'm looking into that, and I'm like, all right, this is actually way cooler. I'm going to do uh, La Llorona. So that's why I didn't. But I knew I, knew I was going to come back to New, uh, Albuquerque, so here we are. <clears throat> awesome. And this Friday, we're going to cover the Swansea Devil for a little Cursed Possessions episode. And for Patreon uh, patrons, it will be available tomorrow. Should be. And um, – Everybody else will be there on Friday. Uh, another Australian has, oh, not Australian. Brian. Brian's just hold on. <laughs> I got bamboozled. <laughs> got bamboozled. <laughs> Read too fast. Read too fast. Anyways, uh, thanks to everyone who's uh, who's tuning in. Again, thanks you. Thank you to Assassin for uh, hosting the our stream on his stream on Twitch. If you guys haven't already, go follow Irish Assassin on Twitch. Good Call of Duty streamer, but a variety streamer as well playing a lot of phasmophobia and stuff like that. So shout out to him and uh, everybody else that was hanging out. Appreciate you guys. Anything else you guys want to touch on? No, that's it. Um, Wasn't there a review? Go, go check out. If we, there is a review. I'll read that in a second. Go check out our Discord as well. Jump in our Discord. We do respond in there. You can talk to us in there. Request episodes. I saw people requesting episodes to cover certain areas. Just don't expect like a seven-day turnaround time on an episode. <laughs> we do actually do put a lot of research into the episodes we do and it takes us about three weeks each to get an episode together so 
Um, don't get mad if it takes a few months or a few weeks to get an episode. But we have covered listener episodes in the past, right? We we did um, was it Oswego, New York was one of them. Yep. We did Oklahoma City based so, on a listener. Yeah. Savannah was heavily requested as well. Savannah was heavily, heavily requested. So, um, yeah, we will take requests. We will look into them. And as long as we can find enough stuff and some really good stories, we absolutely will cover stuff. Yeah. So don't be surprised if it takes a little while, unless it's a really, really good story. Then we'll probably Uh, push to the front. Right. And we got a review on iTunes from Lisa P. Five-star review. It says, I love the podcast. You guys are hilarious and provide a ton of information on all your podcast subjects. I enjoy it immensely. So thank you, Lisa, for that review. Awesome. And a little thing about that one. That one actually got buried all the way back with like our first reviews. So if we, if you did leave us a five-star review and we missed your review, uh, shoot us a message. Yeah, shoot us a message somewhere on Discord or Twitter or wherever. Just let us know and, and we'll go find it and make sure it gets read out because sometimes they slip by us. But that'll pretty much do it, gentlemen. Uh, I want to thank everyone for hanging out. If you are interested in getting your name in the credits, like all of these fine people, then um, yeah, hit us up on Patreon and uh, and we can um, we can work that out for you. Yes. With all that being said, uh, thanks for everyone who hang out, hung out in the live chat. For those audio listeners, we are live every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to swing in and join in on all the fun and games and get your comments read and questions answered, then swing by and join us for the live. Make sure you guys sub on YouTube as well. And that'll pretty much do it. We'll catch you guys on Friday for Cursed Possessions and next week for the brand new episode. All right? All right. We'll see you now.